Okay, next question. Hi, Senator. My current insurance isn't perfect, but with your plan, I'd have to give it up. And that makes me nervous. You know what? I, uh, I hear this from a lot of people, so let me help you understand. Your insurance is like a bad boyfriend. Girl, listen to me. You need to leave him. He is draining you. You deserve better. Dump his ass. <laughs> I know. You're right. I'm settling. But I'm just scared to leave because what if it's the best I can get? Girlfriend, how much is your deductible? $8,000. I don't even have dental. My teeth hurt so bad. All right, you listen to me, you beautiful bitch. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to call him, and you're going to end it. And I'm going to come right over with an apple strudel, and we're going to post up on the couch and watch my favorite show, which is somehow Ballers. And then one day... One day, Blue Cross Blue Shield is going to text you from the club saying, Baby, I miss you. And you're going to say, New phone, who this? Okay, girlfriend, you're going to be just fine. Do you believe that? Yes. So do I have your vote? I don't know. Pete Buttigieg seems nice. I'll go to hell. Alive from New York, it's Saturday night. Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week we'll be discussing Season 45, Episode 5 of SNL with host Kristen Stewart and musical guest Coldplay. I'm John Murray and I'm joined this week by Steve Finn as well as our very special guest, Ryan George, the creator of Screen Rant's Pitch Meeting video series. You can connect with Ryan on Twitter at TheRyanGeorge and you can connect with us at SNLPodcast.com. As a treat for our new listeners, enjoy this full-length, patron-only version of this week's discussion. And if you like what you hear, you can get all of our full-length, ad-free coverage of Season 45 exclusively on Patreon. It's our patrons who make the cast possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash SNL podcast. All right, enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, Kristen Stewart! Brian George, it is uh, wonderful to be able to bring you up on the cast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, just to get you acquainted with our audience and get our audience acquainted with you, actually. Um, Ryan produces videos for Screen Rant and also for his own independent YouTube channel. And I've been a fan of yours for quite a while. And in the process of cyber stalking you, I determined that you were in fact a, you know, bonafide SNL guy. Uh, so I decided to reach out, see if maybe you wanted to chat SNL with us tonight and lo and behold, you did. So, uh, that's kind of the, the cliff notes versions of why you're joining us tonight. But in case anyone isn't familiar with your work, do you want to kind of point people in the right direction? Where can they find your stuff? Sure. Uh, basically, uh, I do most of my stuff on YouTube. So if you go on YouTube and you type uh, Pitch Meetings, that's the name of the this show that I do on Screen Rant, where I play a screenwriter and a producer and uh, basically make fun of movies and uh, present these ideas as if they were great ideas, but they're not <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then or you could just type my name, uh, my full name, Ryan George, anywhere. Um, and I have my own channel on YouTube where I do uh, mostly stuff that's not related to TV and movies, just to differentiate and, uh, yeah, just like three, four minute sketches and stuff. That's, uh, that's where I'm at. Yep. Now, uh, Ryan is actually downplaying what he does a fair bit here. He is required viewing <laughs> in my, my YouTube feed and has been for over a year now. I consider the pitch meetings to be a brilliant deconstruction of kind of everything wrong <laughs> with, uh, like modern <laughs> screenwriting Thank you. and it's done in such a playful pleasant upbeat way that you don't realize just how scathing it can be so uh, <laughs> i i think they're fantastic i love it you know, you. every time they drop and if people were going to give one of your independent videos a chance it has to be first guy to ever punch a, another guy that that to oh, me is yeah. the high watermark of of what you've done with that concept of let's take you know basic human interactions and distill them down into their most <laughs> primitive essence um it's it's smarter. It's smarter than it seems at first glance. And yeah, I, I eat them you. up. I, I love these. But I appreciate that. Tonight we're talking SNL. Yes. And I figure if you're going to come on the SNL cast, we need to first establish your SNL cred and, you know, just vet you and make absolutely sure that 
you're the guy to, to break down the Chris and Stewart episode. So we're going to um, lob you a few softball questions here just to just to make sure you know what SNL is and, uh, got it. Know, and speak to it with some competency. <laughs> so everyone's got an era. What is your SNL era and why? I probably have to say I'm like an Andy Samberg digital shorts kind of era mm-hmm. guy. Andy Samberg starting to do like the whole Lonely Island digital shorts thing is part of what made me want to make sketches online. So like I got to I got to go with sure I got to go with that kind of era. Bill Hader and Andy Samberg and Kristen Wiig. Yep. That whole that whole gang. Yep. Late 2000s. It was one of the high watermarks for the show. And yeah, most of the people that I ask, honestly, um, that are, you know, in a similar age bracket, that's really, yeah, go to required SNL viewing and, and mm-hmm. with good reason what they established with Lonely Island and, and the SNL digital shorts is something that uh, has endured and really kind of rebuilt the show in a way to where now they have mm-hmm. multiple film units and they've really upped their game as far as their ability to do digital post-processing and special effects and just, you know, Lonely Island proved that uh, this was kind of going to be the future of the show. Absolutely. And so you kind of have to look to that as the genesis of that and, and what they could turn out in a week with a fraction of the resources of what the, the show has now for their, their digital material. It's astounding. And yeah, mm-hmm. more often than not, it, it was pretty funny stuff too. So uh, I yeah. could definitely get on board with that. Your top three players from the show, any era, any time frame, Any era. Um, probably, I mean, Bill Hader. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy Samberg also, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, man, I, yeah, I really like that, that generation of the sure. show. Um, I'm missing out on classic people that aren't coming to mind right now, but, uh, just to stick with that era, I guess I'll go with like Kristen Wiig, you know, like I feel like they, they were such a powerhouse. Sure. Yep. No, I can't fault you for that. And, you know, Bill Hader <laughs> in particular, I, there's very few people that don't have him on their, their top 10 list. So oh, he's great. He's so good. I can respect that. Mm. A memorable sketch, something that just spoke to you. There's, um, I think it was maybe the second SNL digital short. I think it was just called Lettuce. Mm-hmm. And it was Andy Sandberg and Will Forte. Oh man, Will Forte. I, I might retroactively add him to the list. Um, <laughs> I think it was Andy Sandberg and Will Forte just having a very, very serious conversation yep. on some stairs and then slowly crunching lettuce. And that, mm-hmm. that, for some reason, that blew my mind. I was like, that. Okay, number one, that's hilarious, and I've never seen anything like that. And it, it kind of just like opened, like just the randomness of it was was beautiful to me. Like yeah, yeah, they give absolutely like no focus to the fact that they're eating lettuce. This is just yeah. something that is just second nature. It's just happening in the midst of of the conversation, and it has the most glorious foley. You know, this crisp crunch every time beautiful. they bite into the lettuce. Uh, yeah, yeah, ridiculous stuff, and it, so it only good. it only blossomed from there, from those humble origins. Yeah, all right. So far, um, I'm picking up what you're laying down. <laughs> Who is your favorite player in the current cast? I'd probably go with Kyle Mooney. All right. I was a huge fan of the stuff that he was doing on YouTube before mm-hmm. being on SNL. Uh, and I think to a certain extent, he's been able to translate that to, to SNL. And uh, like a lot of his stuff ends up in like the cut for time stuff. Right. But that's some of the greatest stuff that's, that's coming out right now. I love, I love how he plays with awkwardness. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta go with Kyle. Sure. Makes sense. Makes sense that someone that gravitates more towards YouTube and the pre-tape aspects mm. of SNL, that's what's going to speak to you. And For sure. yeah, as far as absurd, surreal, bizarre yeah. alt comedy manifestations that, that he brings into his pre-tapes, uh, so it's good. certainly something that I don't think SNL saw before Kyle Mooney got there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brigsby Bear, if people ever yeah. question, because they don't see as much of Kyle Mooney on the show, really what he's got to offer. That's, you know, that's an amazing piece of filmmaking. So people should check that out and uh, it would probably convert them to a Mooney lover if uh, they're not already on board. So Steve, Mm -hmm. what do you think? Has uh, Ryan passed the test? Do we feel like we can talk SNL with him? Well, if we're just going pass fail, I think he makes the cut. So I think we should just continue. Okay. Yes. Marginal thumbs up from Steve. Got it. That was almost (laughs) a very short podcast episode. I'm totally kidding. He passed with blinding colors. Wow. He's welcome anytime. (laughs) Appreciate it. Excellent. Okay. So, uh, just a little bit of housekeeping before we jump into the recap. I want to thank our newest patrons and a few patrons that have, uh, increased their pledge in recent months. So, uh, our thanks to Catherine Coleman of New York City, David Rubin of Buffalo, New York, Karen from New Hampshire, Whoopa from Kupio, Finland. And I'm just going to hope that the pronunciation was on point there. And John H from Pittsburgh, PA. To our newest patrons and to all of our patrons, thank you so very, very much for your support. 
All right. With that out of the way, let's talk a little SNL. All right. Let's do it. Okay. So for our cold open, Elizabeth Warren takes questions at her Vinton, Iowa campaign rally. All right, Ryan, how do you think this kicked off the show? Uh, it was pretty good. I was surprised to see it just focused on Elizabeth Warren as mm-hmm. a cold open. Like they always like try to surprise you with like, oh, this guy's playing this guy. I didn't yeah. see that coming, did you? So in that way, it was kind of refreshing, I think, to just have it kind of focused. But at the same time, for the same reason, I was always kind of just like waiting for someone <laughs> to pop in. And I sure. feel like maybe I, I, I was distracted by the lack of distraction, strangely enough. But uh, overall, some pretty good gags, I would say. Yep. First episode in a while where we didn't have any stunt casting at all throughout the show. So yeah, I I can totally understand why you'd be scratching your head when, when a a cold open comes and goes without any alumni showing up or any celebrity appearances. Um, yeah, it's, it's fresh. If for no other reason, then they focus in on a character that they've never given the the spotlight in the cold open to before. What'd you think, Steve, how'd it land for you? Well, it's mixed. I mean, I personally feel like they're really going ham with the Elizabeth Warren (laughs) material. We're really saturated with, with Warren, uh, these days on SNL. Uh, that's neither here nor there. I'm just really glad, like Ryan was saying, that we got something a little more focused. I really prefer cold opens that stick to one subject and just mm-hmm. dive a little bit deeper into them. Yep. Uh, you know, my complaints about the the Trump sketches that had like a rotating door of of different personalities. You know, it's it's a bit thinly spread when they go that route. So right. I'm happy to see something a little bit more focused. Yep, uh, I agree with you. Uh, it is nice that they're leaning into one of their newer political impressions. I really enjoyed near the end of this where they kind of turn it into Elizabeth Warren as sort of like self-help guru and they draw a parallel between healthcare and a toxic relationship. And, uh, Chloe Feynman has, you know, a little dramatic moment there where Elizabeth Warren has to like build her back up, tell her that, you know, she's good enough to break up with, uh, her healthcare provider. Um, that, you know, was fun. That, and that was an inspired mm-hmm. little moment. I wish we had a bit more of that because there was a lot of it that was just kind of these zingers and one-liners and there wasn't anything that was building any real steam until you kind of got to that point in the cold open. So I thought that it blossomed maybe just a little later than I would have enjoyed. If I would have wished that they'd found some fun metaphor or something to underpin it and then played that up a bit more and escalated a bit more rather than just have that sort of tacked on the end. But I'm still going to say solid win for me because like you guys both mentioned, this is fresh. This is a little bit different than what we typically see. And I felt like there was more fun moments in it, even without any stunt casting than what we typically get uh, with your, yeah. your Trump week in review. So uh, this was working for me. I was okay with this. Yeah. I'm curious if they, you know, this, this, this election year that's coming up, if they've kind of shot themselves in the foot by stunt casting all the major players, mm-hmm. you know, like Woody Harrelson, lives in Hawaii like he's not going to be able to play Joe Biden every single week and stuff um so maybe this was kind of like I don't know maybe a test run that more focused cold opens could could be something that worked you know like is Larry David not available one week like you're you're you right. shot yourself in the foot yeah you you're definitely painting yourself into a corner a bit there um yeah I this could very much be a test of does their in-house Elizabeth Warren character have enough life to really carry right. a whole sketch on her own rather than just a weekend update feature, whatever. Um, yeah, for my money, I'd, I'd say, you know, it turned out as good a cold open as we would have gotten otherwise if they'd gone with the typical Trump stuff. So, uh, I, I think it was a successful, uh, test if, uh, mm-hmm. if that's kind of what they were hoping to gauge. Yeah. All right. Let's take a look at our monologue. Kristen Stewart does one of those audience question monologues. We get an appearance from staff writers, Allison Gates and Andrew Dismukes. Um, Steve, why don't you kick things off? what did you think of the monologue? Oh, I was hoping not to be first, okay. but that's okay. Uh, you can punt. I, you can punt. Just give us your hot take, and, and we'll, we'll take it from there. Okay. If anybody ever says to you, how hard can a monologue be? You just have to stand there and say some words. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the monologue you show that person sure. as a counter argument, uh, <laughs> because you do need a little bit more than that. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, Kristen just did not have the same kind of charm that she had on her previous monologue in her yeah. previous episode. You know, it's, it's something that happens. I guess you can't be uh, at your a game every hour of the day and you only go live at one point. Uh, I just felt like, you know, she, 
she almost fell asleep at one point. <laughs> there was just no energy, and I did not feel that the material, while it was acceptable, there was nothing wrong with what was written. It was just very poorly sold. Okay. And uh, I think it suffered for that reason. Uh, yeah, I can't say I disagree with you. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I, I did I did appreciate the concept of flipping the audience questions, <laughs> sure. but I think like that ran out of steam pretty much immediately. And also, um, yeah, you know, the whole gag was kind of balanced around the fact that she's a, she's kind of uncomfortable and uh, doesn't really want to be doing this. Mm. And I think that was a little too true. And it came across. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it was kind of like, OK, this I, I couldn't wait for it to be over. <laughs> it was making me like, oh, it was uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was definitely something kind of awkward about this. Uh, it felt like she was squarely in her too cool for school persona the whole night. Mm. And I think yeah. this was a good indication of what we were going to get. Uh, she comes out, she's a little indistinct. Like she wasn't punctuating what she was saying. It was just kind of like mm-hmm. slouchy slackery, just kind of drivel <laughs> in how she was kind of talking there at the beginning. So I was actually having a little bit of trouble even figuring out what she's trying to say or where she's going with things. Cause yeah, there just wasn't a, a whole lot of verve or, you know, much presence there. And, uh, like you said, Ryan, even though the, the idea of flipping the audience questions on its head is clever, uh, they didn't really take it anywhere too great for, for, for mm-hmm. what could have been, you know, a fun little switch up of a SNL trope. So yeah, I feel like this was a loss at the end of this. I was just feeling a little awkward thinking, Oh geez, <laughs> what was that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So not, not maybe the, the best way to uh, jump into the evening, but nonetheless, uh, a good first sketch can, can sometimes uh, recover the show pretty quickly. What did we think of our first live sketch? The American army needs a fresh face for their, we can do it. Women in the war effort poster campaign. What'd you think of this, Ryan? Uh, yeah, I didn't love it <laughs> again. I thought, I thought the premise was, you know, clever at first, but then I thought, you know, as soon as you get it, you get it. And it didn't really take it anywhere beyond that for me. Right. You know, the, the jokes about like, uh, our cans are out or whatever. Um, you know, got a couple <laughs>, of laughs, but, uh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't feel like it was building to anything and then it didn't. So yes. it kind yeah. of fell flat for me. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Steve? Well, I was first of all relieved. I felt like Kristen kind of redeemed herself. You know, she's got some pep in this performance mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, she was having some fun with this material. I really like the concept as well. I actually have a poster of Rosie the Riveter on my wall mm-hmm. and I look at it every day, but I just never realized you know, she's, she's very clean for a factory worker. (laughs) She's absolutely spotless. And I guess that was the glorification that they were doing at the time to, to make it more appealing Mm -hmm. to go to work. But yeah, I mean, it's a funny concept to think, you know, if, if women are going to take the men's roles in the factories, they're also taking the roles of, you know, the crass locker room talk, you know, the junk grabbing kind of attitude. I thought that was pretty astute and, you know, for what it was, I thought it was funny as well. Yeah, I, I love the idea of this way more than where we got with it. I liked the set. I liked the costumes. I thought Chloe Feynman did an, an admirable job as Rosie. And I thought, uh, you know, Heidi has the I don't know, very comfortable around phallic, uh, you know, bomb casings, um, <laughs> you know, counterpart to Rosie, the other candidate. Uh, I thought that that was all fun. You know, you get your, your setup, you've got the, the two conventional characters and then, okay, you know, what is our, our surprise? version of of a factory worker i liked everything right up till that point and then i felt like it just sort of became another one of what we're seeing maybe too much of an ad bryant um giggle fest kind of situation like it didn't feel like maybe they they felt like what they were going to bring for the back half of the sketch was strong enough to just carry itself on its own merits and so by being playful and kind of smirking a bit uh, I think they were maybe trying to sell it a bit more and I don't yeah. think that that helped it. I, I think you need a, a stronger sketch that can live on its own, especially out of the gate to, to give you confidence in the show. So not a win for me. I, I want it to be, I, I thought it really came out strong and it just didn't get anywhere after uh, they, they went to the, uh, you know, the jackhammer. Uh, I kind of think that, you know, right off the bat, the three of them were screaming at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, th- their very first line. And that kind of, made it a little difficult to see what they were like. I couldn't really understand what they were saying, which took me out of it. And overall, I feel like it it could have benefited if from one of them being kind of the leader of the trio and and the other two, maybe taking like a more of a supporting role. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, if you if you did have someone that could kind of be the singular voice of their point of view, yeah, mm-hmm. it would have been a little less muddy. Yeah, so this was one that I think just maybe uh, the writing didn't quite get there. You know, they got a little later yeah. in the week and they just couldn't figure out how to get it to the next gear. And this is what we got. But after that, we get a pre-tape. Maybe, uh, maybe this one will turn things around. Duolingo for talking to children is the first foreign language app for grown people who need to learn how to talk to kids. Okay, Ryan, first pre-tape. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I really did like that one. Uh, that one kind of hit home. I'm just two nights ago, I was at a dinner party where there was a child and I had no <laughs> idea what to say. So it felt, it felt very, uh, yeah, I, I like that one. I like the concept. I like some of the, some of the, the lines, um, where Kristen says, uh, you look not pretty. <laughs> that made me laugh really loud. Yeah. <laughs> um, and some of the examples when they were listing, like sure. the, the kind of children, uh, like child falls down on sidewalk in front of you, like some of those things, uh, I thought it was clever and um, much like most other pre-tapes, you know, it didn't overstay its welcome. Right. Yeah. Yep. So that was a win. Yep. Editing helps with these a lot. What do you think, Steve? I thought it was great. Uh, this was a, a successful utilization of Kristen's trademark awkwardness. Sure. This was a yeah. really great use for that. And it's just such a relatable concept. I mean, personally, <laughs> I'm great with kids. I'm always put on kid detail when I'm at weddings and reunions. But, you know, I've, I've seen I've seen those train wreck <laughs> uh, interactions yes. with uh, not so apt adults and, and children. And it's it's definitely captured here. Yeah. It almost doesn't need any altering to be comedy. Uh, but the, the whole dual lingo thing was a was a hilarious way to uh, kind of tie it all together. And Kyle Mooney's little bit at the end was a great little punch. <laughs> yes. You know, the fact that they could teach you what to say and, and when to say it, but like <laughs> spatial awareness, you're on your own. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You can still flub the delivery if you're just really inept. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this was a lot of fun, a lot of truth on display. So I think a really smart observation and they found a really good vehicle to wrap it up in, in, in this commercial format. This was really good. This is what you want to see from a pre-tape. It's the kind of thing where, yeah, you need the editing, you need the graphic overlays, you need it to move quick because you need to run through a whole lot of scenarios in quick succession. So you can't really get that in a, a live sketch environment. So this this is great. This was very competent. And like I said, a lot of truth as, as you know, a father of, of three kids, I've seen my kids try to explain their favorite cartoon at length to some adult who has to politely, you know, sit there and nod and try and be invested in what's so important to the kid, but is so mundane uh, otherwise. And uh, yeah, after five or 10 minutes of it, I'm cracking up because I'm like, this person just doesn't know how to (laughs) elegantly exit the situation. They they don't know how to, you know, manage, manage what's going on right now. And and I personally love it because I know all you have to say is, Oh, that's so cool. We should, we should watch that someday. And then that's, you know, life goes on, you know, there, there Mm is a, there is a, syntax <laughs> there's a, an etiquette to dealing with kids and uh when someone doesn't have it oh it's it's right for comedy and they found it so hi marks uh i love this i, I think that this was really our, our first slam dunk of the night why don't we uh keep going here we get another live sketch pharaoh and ball is the high-end british paint company that offers unparalleled depth and color. okay steve what'd you make of this well it was uh marketing 101 for uh you know these luxury brands it's the invention of a lifestyle that doesn't exist <laughs> sure. yes. exists about as much as the word color does mm-hmm. uh but you know that's the whole package they sell and uh you know this was very blue dog food-esque in its kind of its its derailment mm-hmm. but like a hundred times more magnified yeah and i just loved how because of this terrible decision that 80s characters made you know, this sets off this hilarious chain of events. I mean, if they never raised their voices, they would have never found out about Kyle in the next room. <laughs> sure. I mean, this this was just a catalyst for so much, and, and no one could ever be prepared for that. Yep. I thought it was uh, really great. Yeah. What do you think, Ryan? Um, yeah, this one worked a little less for me, uh, mainly because I, I was I was trying to figure out if Faro and Ball was a real company. Uh, it t- turns out it is. Uh or if they were parodying something that I wasn't getting, and then uh, I don't know. I, I yeah. Then I was I was just trying to land on what it was trying to be because it, it, I guess like uh, it kind of missed me right off right off the jump, uh, and <laughs> okay. I, I haven't really been exposed to people that are uh, like that at all. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was just trying to the whole time I was trying to figure out where this was going, and 
but I can appreciate that that other people would have gotten something out of that that I didn't because sure. I was I was trying to find what it was, you know, like I was like I was I was appreciating the escalation and uh, how what seemed like a paint commercial was spiraling out of control. But yeah, yeah, it uh, it, it was all over the place because I couldn't uh, lock it down okay. in my mind. Fair enough. That's very diplomatic. Your your Canadianness is is on yeah. full display right now. Um, I think I agree with both of you guys because, like you said, Ryan, I wasn't following. Like I didn't know what they were shooting for with this. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, I'm like, okay, well, what is it? Is it a is it a send up of you know silly spellings of color because they kept coming back to that so many times over? Is it just someone found this paint in a store and they're like, oh, you know what a what a ridiculous paint brand you know and why are they spelling color like this and they just kind of riffed on that and that just kind of spiraled and turned into you know whatever this was i had no idea where they were coming from with it but at the end of it i was giggling so Mm -hmm. i don't know what they were shooting for but somewhere along the lines I, i think they just had to step back and say okay like what is the most um you know ridiculous train wreck that buying this particular brand of paint could lead to. And it just kind of became an exploration of that. And as something that you might see at like a, an improv show where it really is just, this is going wherever it's going and don't try and, you know, be too heady about it. Just, just have fun with these goofy characters kind of, you know, going off the rails. I was good. I was good with that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in a, in a night where we haven't had a, a whole lot of fantastic live material yet, uh, I can say I at least had some fun with this. Not entirely sure why. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Let's keep moving here. We get another live sketch. C-SPAN goes live to a press briefing where Kellyanne Conway introduces Conan, the canine commando. All right, Ryan. Uh, anytime SNL brings out animals, you never know quite what you're going to get. Where, where do you think they got with this one? Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, it got a couple of laughs out of me. Uh, I love, you know, all the dog puns and all the dog jokes. <laughs> and also, uh, you know, there was like a, um, um, a dog sketch recently, a couple of weeks ago, where Cecily was trying to handle that. Uh, I think it was yeah, a yeah. pug. And that was pretty funny. So it was pretty funny to see her struggle again. Yes. Trying to keep her her uh, her on-screen partner in the shot and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I thought it was really great. And uh, it was fun to see uh, Kate as Kellyanne. The intro and, and kind of cap it off. Yeah, we haven't seen much of Kellyanne lately, but uh, it's one of her her better political caricatures. So yeah, good mm-hmm. that they found a reason to bring it back. What do you got, Steve? For what this sketch was trying to be, it was uh, it was successful. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were trying to do much more than have a bit of fun with uh, with a dog on screen, which you know was kind of a, a gamble, mm-hmm. especially with Cecily. But she did much better this time around with this uh, German Shepherd. Uh, versus the pug from last time that was a maybe a little too high energy of a dog for cecily yeah Yeah. (laughs) but aside from all that you know it it maybe it was some light commentary about how the trump administration likes to control the story you know there's a whole kind of analytical lens we can take to this but i'd rather not because it was just a, a lot of fun right and uh it's just great to let go and 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 not try to put too much meaning into sure into a sketch which is pretty much what i'm doing right now so <laughs> i'll shut up uh no i think your point's well made that there is a i don't know um a far more self-important version of the sketch that maybe is trying to say something that just didn't need to be said fortunately they sidestepped all that and they said ah we got a dog in the headline this week and it's like totally ridiculous why don't we goof on that and what they came up with was great. Yeah. Dog press conference. Why not? The fact that they decided to shoot a little higher and bring in the, the fake puppy paws to sip some water and, you know, actually got that gag to work <laughs> in the moment. <laughs> uh, hi, Marks. Obviously the dog isn't going to always bark on cue and he's going to be a little restless. And you always know you're going to get some of that kind of stuff when, when you bring a live animal in, but this one held together a lot better than, than most. So already, you know, hi, Marks. I know Cecily loves dogs and she loves any opportunity to bring them in the show and she'll champion these so it is fun to just see her doing something that she actually has a passion for in in a, in a bizarre way she did go to do little university <laughs> exactly <after> <laughs> yes uh so i i know that she's having fun i i think it, it was sufficiently goofy to try and do this with a dog and basically speak for the dog all the little quips that they came up with <laughs> were, were were brilliant you know uh the fact that he wants to find the whistleblower because, you know, <laughs> whoever's blowing the whistle crazy. is driving yeah. him crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, g- going into a combat zone is nothing as long as there's no vacuums. You know, there was a lot of really, really fun dog goofs that they built into this. I was having fun with it. This this definitely was fun, goofy material that, that I was on board with. 
I also really liked the uh, one of the final lines about how it turns out the dog was also on the Ukraine call. Yes. <laughs> it's just like a, a just a, a nice little uh, reference without getting too deep into it. Yeah, everyone in Washington has to testify, so why would the dog yeah. be any different? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so this was fun. Uh, why don't we take a look at our next pre-tape? Let's do it. We get a music video for American Anarchy Dumbass Records recording artist Kickflip's latest single, Corporate Nightmare. Okay, Steve, uh, resident music guy. Uh, was there any brilliance in this? Well, the absolute masterpiece of a pastiche of this song, it was a carbon copy of the Sum 41 style. <laughs> yeah. So impressively uh, reconstructed here. And this is hilarious. I, I, I've spent a lot of my time in downtown St. John's, and you see a lot of these anti-establishment type of people mm-hmm. who kind of, they're selling out, but trying to hold on to sure. their their punk persona i guess yeah and you know that uh, <laughs> that uh that disassociation that uh comes from that is it's a real thing and i'm i'm, I'm applauding snl for for picking up on that and, mm-hmm. and making a great sketch about it you know little things like kyle ripping out his uh his piercing really <laughs> elevate this to to even higher levels sure. so i just thought there was so much working with this you know these pre-tapes tonight are, are turned out to be some of the best of the season. Yeah, they, they are carrying the show a bit. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, this was also one of uh, my highlights of the night. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great. The, 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 that music was so on point. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just really like the concept. As soon as they get a little bit of validation, they're all in. And um, <laughs> yes. yeah, I love, I love when they do uh, these kind of musical music video sketches, but then there's there's uh, stuff is unwinding, stories progressing as it goes. Mm-hmm. It made me think of kind of that um, that Kyle and uh, Woody Harrelson um, cell phone sketch a couple of weeks ago. Oh, dads, uh, yeah, da- yeah, yeah, yeah. It made me think of that kind of thing, um, mm-hmm. which I loved. And uh, yeah, this was really really good. Mm-hmm. And I also like how they capped it off with the the tearing of the the lip ring. <laughs> it's just like. It just <laughs> gratuitous and surprising. So yeah, that worked for me too. Yeah. I'm wincing just thinking about it. I love that the post-production department decided to put a little bit of digital blood, just to yeah. splatter out of it there in the moment to just really sell it. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was, that was a painful way to, to end it uh, in, in all the right ways. Um, agreed on all points. Uh, if you were to take blink 182 and some 41 and just mash them together, you would definitely have this exact sound. And uh, yeah, it, it definitely felt authentic that way. The the fun of watching these characters struggle with this identity that they've wrapped themselves in for so long. And at the end of the day, we all just kind of want to be loved and appreciated. And, you know, the, <laughs> it's true. Kyle is the kind of the longtime holdout that, you know, the second they're willing to embrace him. Yeah, he's all in too. Uh, <laughs> it's so true to human nature. So it's a fun observation. It is definitely a culture, you know, that we have all observed and we all kind of understand. And some of us grew up in like Blink-182, some 41, you know, they were all over the radio when I was a kid. And that, that was sort of the scene and the, the look and the, the mentality. And uh, yeah, eventually everyone needs a job. So uh, smart, a lot of fun. Uh, I was really, really having fun with this one. Tons of fun. I also think that this was a, a great sketch for Kristen's uh, kind of strengths mm-hmm. as yep. a just as a person, you know? Yeah. The, the, the slacker persona put some red hair dye on it and uh, yeah, you've got comic gold. Mm. Let's keep rolling here for our musical performances. Coldplay performs orphans and everyday life. Now, one thing we haven't established, Ryan, do you care at all about the musical aspect of SNL? I'm a skipper. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry to say, yeah, I skip. I usually skip. So Coldplay, did you actually watch their performance or, or did you in fact skip? I skipped, okay. unfortunately. Yeah. I like Coldplay, but I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. a habit. No worries. So, uh, let's, let's punt this back to Steve. Steve, what'd you make of uh, Coldplay's latest? Well, I know Ryan hasn't seen it, but I'll spoil it for you. It was Coldplay. Nice. <laughs> okay. Cool. It was very cool. Exactly what you would think. I'll admit it was a little better than some new Coldplay that I've heard in, in previous years. They'll never uh, reach the quality of their first two albums, mm-hmm. but it was okay. Uh, I feel like I have to mention that shirt that Chris Martin was wearing. You'd think he'd have enough money to, to pay for a decent t-shirt. And that's what pisses me off. We all know <laughs> he doesn't have to look like that. <laughs> like it's not cute. The, the not trying yes. style it's, it, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's just not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, 
Uh, let's let's distill that down into a rating. Are we thumbs up or thumbs down on Coldplay's latest here? We're at a split vote because, like, I barely heard the songs over that T-shirt. Okay, but <laughs> I did hear Coldplay coming through. The band sounded tight. You mm-hmm. know, it was a good performance. And if you like Coldplay, then you would have liked this. Okay, all right, fair enough. For my money, kind of corny. You know, normally when they do the let's walk the backstage annals of of 8h uh when they like to kind of play with the format a little bit i'm usually all in on that like bruno mars did it to good effect when they do that i'm I'm usually all in like yeah yeah let's let's have some fun with the space on live tv it's a little more dangerous when you know things could go wrong and you miss a mark or whatever your wireless mic cuts out like to me right. I, I like anything that's kind of you know changing things up but yeah, something, something just so corny about him sitting down and the audience members all of a sudden are, are all, you know, higher dancers with their, with their <laughs> cards and uh, all with the smiles of serial killers. Yes. That was it's, not healthy. it's how into it they are and how on time they are. Like there's nothing impromptu about this. It's, it, it just, it just feels really awkward. Uh, and the songs themselves acceptable, but nothing, nothing that I'm really going to go out and, you know seek so uh i don't know kids will love it yeah maybe i i'll uh i'll pop in rush of blood to the head uh many times over before i seek out anything that coldplay has been doing recently and <laughs> that's that's a shame because uh they, they definitely put out some good stuff back in the day yeah they can never take that back we had <laughs> <Right>. that <laughs> all right so uh let's get off that let's take a look at weekend update for their lead-in Justin che discussed trump moving his permanent residence from new york to florida Ryan, what did you think about this week's opening salvo? Uh, I thought there were some pretty good one-liners in there. They had me laughing a, a few <laughs> times with those Trump Florida jokes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they got them out of the way pretty fast, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I like them. Yep, seems serviceable. What do you got, Steve? Yeah, farting in an elevator and hitting all the buttons is a great analogy. <laughs> yes. Great way to start <laughs> right. it off. Yeah, we were rife with uh, Trump dumps and Giuliani jabs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always love a jab at Giuliani. He's, he definitely deserves it. And it's funny to think that both of these guys have hosted the show a couple of times. Right. And now they're just like the main fodder for just absolutely destroying them. Mm-hmm. But uh, it makes it makes for some great jokes. And Giuliani uh, getting locked out of his cell phone is <laughs> is one of the most ironic things. And as a, as a comedy writer, you must feel like your prayers are answered when that <laughs> headline comes up on your computer. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. This was all serviceable. I wouldn't say this is remarkable, but considering that we didn't have any like big crash and burn moments, sort of like we did last week with Che there, I'm going to say, okay, this is a step in the right direction. The guys are usually pretty competent. Their back and forth is usually pretty good. And I was seeing all of the competent things that I needed to see to know that weekend update still has some juice. So I was okay with this. This was perfectly good. Let's take a look at our first feature, Melissa Villasenor and Heidi Gardner as adorable five-year-old kid genius, Riley Jensen and her mom. Hey, Steve, what'd you make of this? Oh, I'm so glad that they did this. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really happy. I've seen a couple of these kid geniuses on, on Ellen, which they (laughs) mentioned. I'm glad they did. And just immediately I was like, this, this is just a girl that's really good at remembering right. lines. It's, <laughs> it's just rehearsal, probably a little too much for a child that age. And they really touch on that. Well, yeah. Like I do feel bad for kids that are put on camera at that age after they've been conditioned to give the exact performance. Like that's going to have to create issues somewhere down the road. Right. But, uh, I mean, Melissa really did a good job with it. Heidi was a really great uh, mom character. And I, and I just loved her presence, her looming presence mm-hmm. over her. Like you Literally. can even feel it when yes. she's off screen, yeah. mm-hmm. which I loved about it. But yeah, uh, it's something I've always had a problem with. I'm like, these are just essentially parrots. You know, if they were just asked any question about what they were actually talking about, you know, you'd realize that they don't actually understand what yes. they're saying. They've just been taught to memorize it. And yeah, I'm just glad somebody else other than me <laughs> has a complaint about this. It's it's good to see. Okay, Ryan, what do you got? Yeah, I agree that the the concept itself is is really good, and I'm glad that someone poked fun at that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the impression; like the voice was was great, and Heidi yeah. was good too. It didn't have that many like laugh out loud moments for me. Like what I appreciated most was the concept itself, rather mm-hmm. than like 
what the jokes were within it. Right. There was a lot. I found that like there was an uncomfortable amount of silence in the first minute of it where they were kind of you didn't know what the payoff was going to be yet right. of like the mom jumping in and stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, uh, I, I was feeling really bad for Melissa because she was doing a terrific job, <laughs> but the jokes weren't there, um, at least in the first minute. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it, it might need like some more more punching up if the character comes back, but I don't know what angle they go with that, you know? Well, sometimes they do catch their stride on the second outing. You know, they, they mm-hmm. do realize that, you know, maybe, maybe there is a little bit of lost energy there, but you know what? I wasn't, I wasn't feeling that so much because I, I think that a lot of the value in this is how uncomfortable you're supposed to be with, you know, this kid mm-hmm. sort of being turned into this product. And, mm-hmm. um, the second that someone goes off script, she's totally out of her depth and, and rightfully so, you know, she's not supposed to, you know, be this exceptional kid that, that has deep understanding of whatever it is, the space plane. Um, so you, you start to feel uh, immediately, you know, why she's the sympathetic character. And then they just keep coals on her, you know, with her mom, you know, threatening to withhold her love and send her to her dad's all the rest of it. Like that's, that's devastating. And so, you know, in a, in a comedic setting like this, uh, I, I think that's brilliant. I, I think they really, really found a fun concept. I love where they went with it and the cringiness and the uncomfortableness of it. And the, the moments where you are just hanging on Melissa and she, just watching her kind of flailing in the wind, you know, um, I thought it was great. I, I, I thought that that actually maybe made it a little bit more impactful <laughs> than if everyone's kind of already in on the joke and a little bit more comfortable with what's going mm-hmm. on. Uh, yeah, sometimes I like being pulled out of my comfort zone a little bit. And, and this <laughs> one, this one kind of did it for me in that way. So hi marks. I love it when there's something fresh thrown at weekend update. Hopefully they can bring this character back and explore some more avenues with it. Uh, so yeah, hi marks to Melissa and to Heidi. I, I think they both complemented each other perfectly in this. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Hi marks for sure. Okay, let's see if we can keep this going with our second feature. Kate McKinnon and A.D. Bryant as Smokery Farms meet gift delivery service owners Wileen and Vanetta Starkey. All right, Ryan, kick us off. This is our uh, second run at uh, the Starkeys. Did you want to see them back? Yeah, I enjoyed them the first time around, and I enjoyed them this time, too. I love just listing off uh, (laughs) ridiculous stories of uh, how crappy these animals were and how stupid they were. I think that's hilarious. (laughs) I almost wish they would have focused on that more towards the end of the bit. It became about like making Colin smell right. fish and whatnot, yeah, uh, which was funny too. But I, uh, what I like the most about these is, is that the just the randomness and the ridiculous stories they come up with for this 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 fish and uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it was still it was still great. I still liked it. Very good. Now, Steve, last time we checked in on the Starkeys, your concern was that. Because there was so much breaking, because I guess the food, you know, was a little rank by the time they had got to the live show. (laughs) So they went a little bit off script and they were just trying to, you know, keep it together. And there was a lot of breaking. And while that paid dividends for some audience members who enjoy the the giggle fest, you weren't on board with it. You wanted to see what the sketch would look like if it was delivered competently. Do you think we got any further down the road with with this outing? Well, yeah, it it seemed from their reaction that it wasn't quite as thick of a stench as it was the first time around, they held it together much better. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think uh, it is an answer to my initial complaint about the sketch is that, you know, some of this stuff would have been really, really funny stuff. It was just delivered without breaking. And, you know, people love breaking. People think it's funny. And there was a little bit of breaking, uh, especially from Colin. (laughs) Sure. So, I mean, it, it was still there. But uh, I felt like I could still focus on the whole concept of it. The, sure. the idea of, you know, these, these animals are, are immoral or they're not mm-hmm. deserving of your sympathy. Therefore, you can eat them, <laughs> Yes, which is, which is hilarious to me. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought this was just a better go at it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, seems like they struck a better balance. You can see that they, they did kind of. Uh, weave in a few of the little ad libs and, and fun moments from the first one. Cause I think if they came out there and they played it like a hundred percent straight, people may have been a little deflated thinking that this is supposed to be a little bit more of a mess. And, uh, the people that really enjoy the, the Kate and 80 giggle fest, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe they'd feel like, uh, they missed out, but mm-hmm. the balance that they struck, I, I felt worked pretty good. Uh, this was fun enough. I think after the Melissa Heidi 
piece that we just had, there really wasn't anything else that I wanted out of weekend update. So while this was serviceable and, and fun enough, I don't think it's the high watermark for, for update. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, give it a, a passing mark, you know, fun, but I really think that Melissa and Heidi, you know, made the night on, on their, yeah. their previous features. So that's where I land. Uh, good enough, but uh, I wouldn't say all that remarkable. Let's, let's just call that last bit bonus material. Very good. All right. <laughs> Back half of the show. We get a live sketch. A hung jury struggle with their irrepressibly melodic tummy cramps. Okay, Ryan, are you a fan of Genuine's Pony? <laughs> I, uh, I I wouldn't say that. I'm a fa- I'm aware of it. <laughs> um, this felt like at, at first I was like, okay, did Tums sponsor this sketch? Sure, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, once it's st- once Genuine started playing, like it took a while to get there, but I was like, okay, that's you know, I could see how you know in the writers' room how that would have come to be where someone's stomach rumbled and then they started riffing on that. Mm-hmm. Um, this almost felt like an inside joke kind of sketch. And uh, again, it kind of took too long to get to the funny for me because there was a whole lot of like, um, is this going to be about, I guess that was kind of the, the point is like, Oh, is this going to be about like race and stuff? And then right, it just right. ends up being about like uh, stomach rumblings. <laughs> um, yeah, it was very, uh, very random. And uh I'm sure like uh, a couple of writers were surprised that this got on the air because it definitely felt like an inside <laughs> joke in the writer's room. Uh, yeah, yeah. This uh, definitely kind of hung on on one funny idea. There, there certainly wasn't a, a whole lot of depth to it. Um, what'd you make of this one, Steve? I thought it was great. <laughs> uh, just because there was a lot of effort made to keep you in the dark. Sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm being paranoid, but like there were instances of like false setups Mm-hmm. little hints of where they where they were trying to like make you think it was going to go in a different direction right, right. like bailiff with a t yes mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like oh maybe they're just going to make fun of the bailiff the whole time and even when the like the the stomach growling comes like there's different directions that could go yeah and in the end like there's no way you could guess <laughs> what they land on right but uh they really did a good job of causing confusion mm-hmm. and making you ask yourself that question where the hell are they going with this? Yeah. So, I mean, they were very successful with what they were trying to accomplish. So I got to give them points. Yep. This was silly. There isn't a whole lot to dig deep on here, so I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to say, you know what? At the end of it, I was having fun. That was a a dumb, goofy little reveal. (laughs) And I was totally on board for something lighthearted and goofy. You want something that's just going to kind of be a palate cleanser after weekend update. And uh, hopefully, you know, just be silly enough to kind of perk you up and and get you excited for the back half of the show. And because kind of like what you guys said, you you really don't know where they're going with it, that when the payoff is so corny (laughs) and and so lighthearted and so silly, uh, I'm, I'm totally good with that. Yeah. So having fun with this i'll I'll call it a win Mm -hmm. yeah win me too very good after that we get another live sketch a straight-laced older couple is unsuccessfully propositioned by a young pansexual okay steve you are resident (laughs) i don't even know where i don't know where i'm going with that let me (laughs) set that up again uh all right steve uh why don't you break this one down for us oh yeah, oof. I'm I'm uh, I'm hesitant to say anything about this because I feel like I'm not supposed to be uncomfortable, but I was very uncomfortable. Okay, and that's <laughs> it's not because I'm homophobic or anything. I just I just felt like even Kristen didn't want to be doing this sketch. I mm. felt like for one reason or another, this this was you know imposed on her, and I just got the feeling she didn't want to be doing that sketch, and it really affected the whole energy. Yeah, no, she was squarely in her more diminutive, not very emotive kind of persona. Uh, not sure if that was the best uh, character choice. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I feel like the whole sketch would have been a lot better if her energy had been a little higher, if she had uh, maybe gotten a little more, I don't know, weird with it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I liked the twist at the end. That that uh, <laughs> that was a nice twist that got me. but. Yeah, the whole sketch itself uh, wasn't the best of the night for me, uh, but great twist. Yep. Yeah, fun out and uh, nice that Bo and Yang is always game. So, you know, there <laughs> there is something to be applauded there. Uh, I think I agree. In order for this to work, I feel like the pansexual character 
would have had to have been so ridiculous that uh, you're you're really kind of feeling for this straight laced couple that would have no idea how to deal with this kind of situation. But instead, they're they're kind of cool operators, right? They're just kind of calmly and politely rebuffing her, and she's just kind of lingering uncomfortably. And th- there's just so much about their back and forth that um, you know, just wasn't really that funny. <laughs> Whereas mm-hmm. if they'd found a way to make Kristen's character somehow larger than life or in some way, something that really puts the couple off or just did anything to jazz up the scene, uh, could have been, could have been better. There's probably some version of this sketch that could have worked, but I, I don't think that their choices for, for Kristen really made much sense or did much to, to elevate the material. So yeah, this, this definitely was a loss for me. Yeah. It's almost like they were trying to be too careful. Yeah. Trying right, not to offend right. anybody. And therefore this just had no bite. Yeah, and I mean, if if you do feel like um, somehow you need to be sensitive about mm-hmm. an idea like being pansexual, sometimes it's a little braver and a better statement to be willing to goof on it because you you kind of are signaling that something is now acceptable and it, it's it's something that we can embrace for comedy. You know, we don't have to be so delicate because you know these people have now carved out their place, and you can just let them be part of the conversation like any other kind of kink or any other kind of persuasion so yeah there there was just so much here that just didn't really make sense or serve the sketch i'm not really sure what they wanted this to get to especially considering that uh you know bowen yang's character was perfectly ridiculous and just as you know far out there so like why is is that kind of fun as the capper but the meat of the sketch couldn't be as fun i just don't know yep yeah completely agree it it felt like like, why is the premise that a normal pansexual person is approaching people? You know, like that make that's what made it a little weird. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not the best material of the night. How right. about our 10 to one sketch? A group of stargazers get an unsolicited lesson in erotic astrological interpretation. Okay. Ryan, <laughs> did you relate uh, to this sketch? Uh, <laughs> I can't say, I can't say I related to it. It got, it got a couple of laughs uh, from me with the, uh, I mean, it got a couple of immature laughs from me. Sure. I'll say that, you know, like, uh, uh-huh, yeah, that, that kind of looks like he's doing something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was basically the whole premise of the sketch. Uh, I liked the line where uh, I forget who delivered it, but someone was like, no, we're more like him than like you. Yeah, I think that was 80. That was 80. Right. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty simple premise and it got some pretty simple laughs. Okay. What do you got, Steve? Simple premise. That is probably the nicer way to put it i was going to say one <laughs> one trick pony okay all right but you know they're not trying to be anything else so you can't really fault them for it it's it's a it's a funny concept and and belongs in the 10 to 1 spot mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i actually kind of related to this in a weird way and you Uh-oh. know walk with me down this path cuz I, I don't think it's quite <laughs> as creepy as as you're assuming um <laughs> my family we we enjoy camping a lot so we go to a lot of national parks and we like to do ranger programs and hikes and sometimes you go to like night stargazing things i have done this this scenario here of night stargazing i have done this right when you do those kind of things those nature walks or whatever educational national park hikes there's always a couple people on the hike that you know kind of do this like every day (laughs) <laughs> and they've made themselves kind of like the resident experts and they're always a little off. They're always locals and you know, mm-hmm. they've always kind of got an agenda and they always kind of want to let everyone know that, that they've got the inside scoop. You know, you got questions we're, we got answers. Don't worry about that ranger. You know, we, we know and the they score. do dress like that. Don't yes. they? <laughs> and a lot of times, you know, they're a little, you know, far out, you know, new agey hippie, maybe, um, or holdovers from that era. So, my hunch is that one of the writers, you know, probably went on a stargazing hike over the summer and encountered some of the local crazies and thought, you know what, let's just play that up. There's got to be something funny there. Uh, and then the, you know, the, the 10 year old boy and me naughty constellations, what's not to love there. So I kind of appreciated what they were trying to get to with this one. I don't think this is an exceptional sketch, but it was just naughty enough to be silly and fun. And mm-hmm. as someone who's actually done night stargazing, I'll say, yeah, you know what? A little bit of truth in there too. So I was okay <laughs> with this. I thought this was actually a fun enough way to cap the night. Yeah. I love how they opened up the world mm, in this yes. uh, sketch with that little composite shot of what, what is actually in yes. frame and then kind of inserting that into the, the whole wide shot. 
I mean, there was a little bit of camera movement at the beginning that was messing with it, but once they had that static and evened out, it was very convincing. Yeah. Yeah. I was, when, once you brought that up, that's what I was going to say is that you, you can't give them high marks for panning out the zoom on the camera after they'd already started the composite. They were still <laughs> trying to line it up after they, they cut to the shot. So yeah, a little production snafu, something that I've never once seen in a Ryan George video, mind you, but nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, it's still fun. They're making very generous use of that LCD screen that they have. They used it in the spooky graveyard last week. Yeah. So good, you know, good production values here. If not, you know, one miscued little shot there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's uh, probably enough on our 10 to 1. Let's talk moment of the night. What took it for you, Ryan? I'll probably go with uh, in the corporate nightmare song that um, <laughs> that surprise uh, removal of the lip ring is probably the most memorable for me. <laughs> sure. That was a great moment. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What do you got, Steve? I know I did a lot of crapping on Kristen in this podcast, but I got to say her line uh, where she asked the kid if he wears clothes to school. It's probably the most memorable thing of the whole episode. I just okay. love that palpable awkwardness. It was very authentic. Yep. And I think that's what made it work so well. Yeah. And they, they hold on it, right? The music drops out. 80 kind of gives her the side eye. You know, there, there's a whole lot of cringe that they were able to elevate because it was a pre-tape. So yeah, that, that was definitely a fun moment. And that's, yeah, that's a great example of, of what a good moment should be. You know, like all of the production values coming together to, to sell that joke. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm going with Michael Che's little run in the middle of weekend update where he's talking about the 67 year old woman who gave birth. Mm -hmm. ah. I like that this joke was a little smarter because he deconstructs it a bit. He gives the backstory. He lets them know, you know, we were throwing punchlines at the censors. This is the only one that could get through. And yet he still has the audacity to recite all the other ones. So, you know, censors be damned. That's always, you know, a fun way to set up a joke. It's kind of like when Jost and Che do the jokes that they're not allowed to tell on air, or, you know, at the end of the season or whatever. So that was one of the highlights of Weekend Update. And just as a little self-contained bit, it was fun for Michael Che. And uh, he needed a win. You know, he took a lot of flack last week for a cringy joke that fell apart and uh, was equally inflammatory, you know, to uh, a group of people. So, um, yeah, nice to let him have a, a little moment. Uh, that was definitely working for me. For sure. I'm so glad they didn't like back away from the polarizing right. uh, weekend update from last episode. Yeah. You don't necessarily want to see Michael Che in a box because you're going to miss out on some gems if you, if you force him to kind of play it safe. So it was nice to kind of see him return to form a little bit there. Indeed. Ryan, what do you got for best sketch? Uh, I think I'm going to go with the Duolingo for talking mm -hmm. to kids sketch. That was the one that, uh, resonated most with me and, uh, yeah, it was just really well put together and great, great concept and something that I I've never seen in sketch form talked about that I didn't even realize was an issue that a lot of people had. OK, um, because I do like I, I don't know what to say to kids. <laughs> so that really hit home. Uh, yeah, a lot of truth, a lot of fun. Great premise. What do you got, Steve? I'm in agreement. Uh, I think that Duolingo pre-tape takes the cake. Yeah, totally relatable, well executed. And overall, just really, really funny. It's something from my real world, something that I can relate to. It's It just ticks all the boxes. Yep, absolutely. It was my choice too, but because we've already said our piece on it, I'm going to go with my honorable mention. That C-SPAN, Kellyanne Conway press briefing where they bring out the hero dog. <laughs> this is so lighthearted and charming and fun and goofy. And who could possibly be offended by it? For for something that uh, is rooted in the politics of the day and the news of the week, this was just fun. Why this wasn't the cold open, I don't know, because this this definitely could have kicked off the show, right? Um, regardless, I thought it was just the fun, charming, goofy kind of live material we needed in the first half to sort of salvage uh, a, sh a shaky first half. So um, this one really worked for me. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was some of the, the funner live stuff of the night. But uh, I agree with you guys wholeheartedly that Duolingo, that was a, an inspired piece. So, yeah, a few good moments. What do we got for MVP, Ryan? I think I'm going to go with uh, Bowen Yang. I mean, he wasn't in it a lot. I think he was maybe had two or three lines. Uh, but both times he was on screen, I really liked it with his uh, bailiff uh, sure. or whatever, uh, his, <laughs> that line. And then um, his, his line at the end of that uh, kind of like, 
club sketch yes. where he was their 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 man dog or whatever it was <laughs> their little pig boy i think something like pig, that. little pig boy that's yes. what it was um <laughs> yeah i thought that was great um he wasn't on screen a lot but when he was he was the funniest thing um on screen yep. <laughs> pretty much yeah he can steal a scene last week um in the courtroom sketch the 10 second verdict sketch he comes out as you know some sufficiently terrible character and he just kind of like does an about face and like whips his hair in a very arrogant manner and uh it it, it's like he had no lines but he just took his five seconds for all it was worth and we see that again this week just kind of as a we're just going to throw him in to pepper this sketch because bowen will just sell it and he'll just make hay with these quick little moments Mm -hmm. um yeah it's definitely something that uh is starting to distinguish him on the show so uh i'm okay with that you know any chance the featured players have to make a name for themselves great uh steve what do you got for mvp i'd like to give it to kyle Okay. Not that Kyle was all over this episode, but he gave some really good kind of little last laughs in a couple of the pre-tapes. Mm-hmm. You know, he had that high five bit from the Duolingo. <laughs> he had the uh, lip ring moment. Uh, but that whole that whole pre-tape of the punk song was just great. The way yes. that he felt kind of left out. <laughs> <laughs> and he like even like forgets the words of the yeah. song. And he's like something, something, blah, blah, blah. What's, what's going on in there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just love Kyle. He's f- for his goofy and I don't know. He just does dramatic acting so well, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and uh, he he does it with that little bit of comedy twinge just to sell it the right way. Yeah. So uh, I'm just loving the examples of moodyisms that are in this episode. <laughs> moodyisms, yeah. I like that. Yeah, we don't always get a lot of Kyle, but you have to admit that what he brings to the show is incredibly unique. He is not the leading man. He is, you know, the quirky weirdo who's just coming up with this, this off the wall stuff that sometimes is just really inspired. But also when you bring him in a sketch and just allow him to be that awkward presence and hang a few jokes on him, he can usually make it work. Uh, yeah. High praise for Kyle Mooney. And he's my choice too. I, I think that he had a enough fun moments throughout the night that in a show where the host, you know, wasn't blowing the doors off the barn and you don't have any one player other than maybe Kate McKinnon. You could make a case for that was really dominating. I thought, you know, he had a lot of fun moments too. So I'm going to give it to him as well. Yeah. All right. Very good. So the big question on a scale of classic, great, decent week or train wreck. How would you rate this episode? Ryan, we'll start with you. I'm, I'm somewhere between decent and weak. Okay. There was the, 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 the Duolingo sketch and the corporate sketch were standouts for me, but pretty much every single other sketch, there was a little something off for me. So sure. yeah, um, I'll say decent to be polite. Okay. <laughs> it is your first time on the show. Might as well. <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's fair. I think I'm feeling very similarly, but, uh, Steve, what do you got first? Uh, I relate to that, uh, that feeling torn between decent and weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's how I see it. This episode could have been a decent, okay. You know, it had some great pre-tapes, some not so great live sketches, but that's the thing. You know, there was some good writing. The cast was on point. You know, they did some technical stuff that worked out and a lot of, a lot of this episode was working Mm -hmm. and I could easily give it a, a decent for all that. And I know I already apologize for crapping on Kristen, but I think she single handedly brings my <laughs> decent down to a week just her low energy her lack of commitment uh just her tone deaf performances really put a just put a funk on this whole episode for me okay and uh it's disappointing and i kind of feel like a jerk right now <laughs> maybe i'm being too harsh but yeah you, i feel you, like you gotta be you gotta be true to true to your feelings on this if, if that's you know where you're landing don't don't apologize yeah. for it I, I think there's a, a a case to be made for what you're saying though you, Absolutely. Kristen Stewart did not seem to be bringing it or she just wasn't being put to good use somewhere in right. there. She just wasn't connecting. And, and I think that's a fair critique. So yeah, if you're landing on the side a week because of that, uh, I can totally respect that for myself. I am barely siding on decent for this. The reason being we had a competent enough cold open. We had a competent enough weekend update. Those are two tent poles that any good show needs. So I feel like those are both you know, squarely in the good category. A lot of our live material was flawed, you know, fun moments, but not end to end really, really greatly realized sketch fair. Two very competent pre-tapes 
were working well. So there was a lot that was working. The live material, not so much. But I think we're just barely over the line on decent. So that's uh, that's my final word on it. Okay. You guys uh, got anything else great you want to say about Kristen Stewart's latest outing? Ryan, you got any closing thoughts? Not really, no. I mean, uh, it, it was an episode. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> All right, Steve, anything brilliant to add? I just want to get back to my screen rant pitch meeting beef sure. <laughs> that you pulled me out of. Well, that is a beautiful segue. So, uh, Ryan, why don't you let our listeners know where they can find your material if they want to check you out? Sure. Just uh, you could go on YouTube and type uh, either Ryan George or pitch meeting. And uh, one of those two things will lead you to me. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> well, Ryan, it has been an honor and uh, a privilege to have you join us this week. I had a lot of fun breaking down the episode. Uh, I hope you had a little bit of fun, too. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Very fun. Yes. Enjoyed it. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thank you. And uh, I think we'll call it there. That's a cast. Thanks to Steve Finn and to our very special guest, Ryan George. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, Aaron and Trader, Donald Yates, and Neil Weinstein. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week with a fun conversation I had with SNL alum, Luke Nall. But until then, this has been episode number 91 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night. Have a pleasant tomorrow. Hey, what's up? Thank you, Coldplay. And um, I told you it was going to be tight. Uh, that's it. Thank you so much. A 67-year-old woman in China gave birth this week. The birth set a record for most friction. (laughs) See, see, you guys don't realize it, but that joke took me like four hours to write. (laughs) I had much better punchlines, but the fellows at NBC Standards said they were all too dirty. Like, at first I was going to say, well, I hope that kid likes his milk chalky. They said you can't say that on TV. It was my second favorite punchline. My first favorite being, she can breastfeed just by standing over the crib. That's a good one, right? Nope, NBC said too gross, which is ridiculous. Too gross would be like if I said, doctors described the birth as, quote, like pulling a penny out of a wad of gum. Now that's too gross. Even I wouldn't tell that joke on TV.